be here tonight, anytime the church doors are open, and um, it's a real blessing. You know, we've had a lot of uh, Christmas activity going on here, and where I have a ministry at a assisted living place in Pinehurst, we've been, since the beginning of December, we've been having uh, Christmas themes, and and this this week, they're bringing the whole everybody out and we've got a the whole thing is going to be Christmas so I'm not going to be talking a lot about Christmas tonight but I am going to be talking about man's will versus God's will and before we start that let's uh let's look to the Lord in prayer Lord we thank you for the precious word of God we thank you that uh, that you've inspired it, that you've preserved it, and that it has the power to give life to all who embrace it, life eternal. We pray that uh, if there's anyone here tonight that may not have experienced that life eternal through the Lord Jesus Christ, that that you will speak to their heart. And we look forward to the days ahead. We know that your coming is getting closer and closer, and the signs are everywhere. So help us, Lord, to just be your humble servants and to be faithful and to read and study your word at church and at home. And we pray and ask these things in our Savior's name. Amen. <clears throat> I was thinking about what, what is God's will for those who refuse to be his children. And in 2 Peter, well, you can turn to 2 Peter chapter 3. Second Peter three and verse nine. We read there that the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God's will is that all should come to repentance. He's not willing that any should perish. But for those who refuse to be his children, they'd rather be the children of the wicked one, their end is to perish. To perish in a place that even though we preach about it and talk about it, and we have no no way of actually really knowing what it's going to be like to suffer in the lake of fire forever and ever. We get a glimpse of it occasionally through God's word. But God is, is long-suffering. He's long-suffering. But he's not slack concerning his promise and as as. Peter said, some men count slackness. It's not a wise thing to do. In the next verse, verse 10, it says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. 
Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? So there's this contest that's going on, as Mr. Creech, I think, alludes to that, that way of thinking about it, the contest between God and man. And in Peter, in Peter, in Peter's epistle, he said that the Lord is going to come as a thief in the night, and the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. A great noise. And the elements shall melt with fervent heat. And the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. God's going to create a new earth and new heavens. And Peter says in verse 11, Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? We need to live godly lives. We need to live lives patterned after the word of God and after our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says in verse 13, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, in verse 14, Wherefore, beloved, see that you look for such things. See that you look for such things. And be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. This world is... This world is... is in a mess. It's just unbelievable the things that are occurring on this earth. But God knows about it. He knows about it. And I'd like for you to turn back to 1 Peter chapter 4. First Peter chapter four and verse one. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. That's one of those verses among many, if not most, verses in the Bible that you have to think about it. For as much as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, God is telling you and God is telling me that we likewise need to arm ourselves with that same mind, the same mind that Christ had when he suffered for us in the flesh. We have to have the mind of Christ to, to be able to serve him. And if Christ was one who suffered in the flesh, then we need to likewise have that same mind, to arm ourselves with that same mind. And there's good reason for that. Because he goes on to say in, in, in verse uh, 1, For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. We're, if, if we're believers, we're either living in the flesh or we're living in the... In, 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 in this, we're even living in the flesh or in the spirit. And it's a battle. It's a battle. 
And the Lord suffered for us. And he wants to be our example so that we likewise will arm ourselves with that same mind. And it's amazing to think about these thoughts because it's not just something you read in the Bible. This is reality. This is reality. We have to arm ourselves as Christ suffered with the same mind. For he, for he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from, the, from sin. He says in verse 2 of 1 Peter chapter 4, that no longer, no longer should we live the rest of our time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. There's this, there's this conflict that's going on. It goes on in, in the individuals. It goes on in society. And we have to... We have to live the rest of our time. We don't know how much time we have. We were preaching that the, the, here in this church that the Lord's coming was at the door 40 years ago or more. And here we are. But it's not as hard to see in this day than it was back then. He says that uh, in verse 2 again that he, that he no longer should live the rest of his time to the flesh, in the flesh to the lusts of men. What God is saying there is that we can do that. We can live our time, our lives in the flesh to the lusts of men, the desires of men. Because we have that flesh nature. But we have to put it off. We have to put it off every day. Every hour of every day. And then Peter said in verse 3, For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles, when we walked in lasciviousness, lusts, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries. That's what the Lord saved, saved us out of. And he says also in, in verse 4, where, wherein they think it's strange that ye run not with them to the same excess of riot speaking evil of you. That's, that's the mentality that the lost mind that is in harmony with, this, with Satan, they think it's strange that you don't go out and riot in excess and... and, and, and they speak evil of that. But verse 5 says that they shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. And verse 6 says, And for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober. Sober is something that is very real. People or uh, you know, people that drink excessively, and the whole world seems like it does that. But, but the Lord is 
telling us that we should live soberly. For this cause, it says, but the things, the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober and watch in prayer. You know, when we sit down and open our Bibles and allow God to speak to us, he's telling us that the, the end of all things is at hand. It's, it's right there at the door. It's at the door. It's at hand. And for that reason, we need to be watching in prayer. Watch, it, watch unto prayer. And verse 8 says, above all things, we need to have not only charity, which is love among ourselves, we, we need to have fervent, fervent charity. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. Why? Well, charity shall cover a multitude of sins. Above all things. Above all things. The Christians need to have this fervent, this, this real fervent charity among ourselves. We're not claiming to live, live sinless. We, we say things that hurt people's feelings from time to time. And do a lot of other things. But if we, if above all things we have this fervent charity, we, we just love the Lord and we love the Lord's people with all their problems. We love them. We're going to spend eternity. <laughs> We're going to be together throughout all eternity with our Lord and with the saints of God. And we may as well, well, we'll be in perfect love and charity in those days that are soon coming. So we need to practice up right now. We don't need to hold a grudge against anyone, especially amongst the Lord's people. If someone offends us, pray for them. And then let's turn back to Luke's gospel, chapter 13. Luke 13. And reading in verse 22. And he, the Lord Jesus, went through the cities and villages, teaching and journeying towards Jerusalem. Then said one unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? And he said unto them, Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in, and shall not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door, and you begin to stand without and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us, he shall answer and say unto you, I, I know you not from whence ye are. So the Lord is is admonishing anyone who's reading these words 
to strive to enter in at the straight gate. It's a straight gate and a narrow way that leads unto life. And the Bible says there's few. God uses that word. <clears throat> straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life. And few, that's the word he uses. There be that find it. He said, enter you in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Many there be which go in thereat. The word straight caught my eye as I was meditating upon the passage. The word straight in Luke chapter 13 and verse 24 and again twice more in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 13 and 14 which we just read. It has an interesting meaning in the Strong's Dictionary. Straight here is not saying that the gate is straight in the sense that it fits well onto a wall or into a, into a fence. Straight, the word straight, if you look it up in the Strong's Concordance, word number 4728, it says the Strong's Greek Dictionaries gives this meaning of the word straight. Quote, Straight is the gate. Quote, narrow from the many obstacles standing close by the gate. That's interesting. Straight is the gate. Narrow is the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Why, why, why do they not? What's the hindrance? Well, obviously, uppermost is their hearts. There's, there's many obstacles that stand close by the straight gate that opens up into eternal life. There's many, many obstacles. But sadly, most people in this world and the things of this world is what they want. That's what they live for. And their minds are blinded. They don't see but I believe that God, either directly through the creation in their hearts, he brings them to an understanding to where they can make a choice about their eternal destiny. And according to the Lord Jesus' words, there are few that make the right choice, comparatively speaking. That's why... When we look out upon the world that we're living in tonight, that's why this world is just, it's like bad news all the time. Bad news all the time. And it's getting worse by the day. In in um, in First John, and you're you're so familiar with these passages, but it says in First John chapter two and verse fifteen, "Love not the world. Love not the world. You know, something that you love is is you have an affection for it. You want to be near it." whatever it is that you love. And God says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You can't love the world and have the love of the Father at the same time. That's, that's an impossibility. Pretty strong language. 
If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Why? For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father. God didn't create this world to be like that. Man and the devil, with the devil's help, has ruined everything he touches. It's not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth, passeth away, and the lust thereof, the desires. God's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. He that doeth the will of God abideth forever. The word abideth, he that doeth the will of God abideth forever, according to the, to the Greek word in the King James translators used, it means whoever does God's will will abide forever. He, he will the word means he will endure, he will remain, he stays in a given place, he will abide forever. We read in Luke's gospel, chapter 14, and let's, let's turn there, uh, we're, we're, we should be right there, Luke chapter 14 and verse 16. Well, verse 15, when, and when one of them sat at meat with him, heard these things, he said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. And then the Lord said to, to him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many. A certain man made a, made a huge, huge supper and he invited many people to come. In verse 17, he sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, come, come, for all things are now ready. And they all, with one consent, they were thinking alike. They began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I bought a piece of ground. I must needs go and see it. I pray thee have me excused. Another said, I bought a five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee have me excused. Another said, I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. And then it says in verse 21, So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor, the maimed, the halt, and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. And there turned, there went with, and there went, Great multitudes with him. And he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. 
And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. No nonsense there. That's, that's a... The, the word hate, the Lord's not asking people to hate their family. They're, what, they're, what he's saying is if I'm not first, if I'm not the most preeminent in your heart and in your life, then you cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, a familiar verse to most of us, Paul wrote, Be not conformed to this world. You know, it's so easy. You really don't have to do anything. Just go out. Just go out and live your life. And this world will conform you to it. And Paul had to say, be not conformed to this world. And you know, what we have to do when God tells us that, tells you, tells me, be not conformed to this world. We have to meditate upon that. We have to let our heart search search within and ask the Lord, Lord, how is it that I'm conforming to this world? It, it, otherwise, he wouldn't have said it. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's quite interesting that on the one hand, we can be conformed, made like this world, or we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So much renewing that we can actually prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's amazing. And those two options, those two choices are before every, every believer every day of our lives. And so what we have to do is what James said in his epistle. We have to do this. He's, James said, draw nigh unto God and he will draw nigh to you. Draw nigh to God. How do we do that? We ask the Lord to, we pray and ask the Lord to show us in our hearts how we do it. We have to open our Bibles and, and study them, and he, he will be telling us directly how to do it. We need to come... We need to be faithful in, in the meeting house where God's word is preached and, and where the fellowship of the, of the brethren is taking place. James said also in, in chapter 4, verse 14, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. We don't know what tomorrow is going to be. We might, anyone here that's saved, we might, we might be raptured tonight. Glory to God. We might be raptured. We don't know. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is a vapor. A vapor that appears for a little time and vanishes away. 
we have a tea kettle on our on our cooktop to make tea or coffee or whatever, and the vapor comes out of that when it gets hot enough, and it starts whistling if you're on the other side of the house or something. But a vapor doesn't last long, and that's what our lives are. We think that, you know, we've got all these plans and... and uh, Well, what we need to remember is what God is telling us. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even as, as a vapor that appears for a little time and vanishes away. We not only need to make every day count for our Savior, we need to make every hour of every day count for our Savior. It's a, it's a lifestyle. And the more you do that, the, the, not the easier it is, but uh, it's certainly, certainly something that we need to strive for. He said, for that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or do that. Not, I'm going to go here and I'm going to do this. and I'm No, if the Lord will. We shall live and do this or do that. The psalmist said in Psalm 143 and verse 10, teach me to do thy will. We can't do God's will unless we submit ourselves to him and allow him to teach us. The psalmist said, teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God. Thy spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. We have to be taught that. And then there was the time when the Lord Jesus, it says in uh, Mark chapter 3, you want to turn there, Mark chapter 3 and verse 31, Mark chapter 3 and verse 31. There came then his, his brethren the brothers of Christ and his mother and standing out they sent unto him calling him this was at a time when there were many people there and the multitude sat about and they said unto him behold thy mother and thy brethren without seek for thee hey your mother's outside and you and they're looking for you they seek for thee and he answered them and said saying who is my mother or my brethren and he looked round about on them which sat about him and said behold my mother and my brethren for whosoever shall do the will of God the same is my brother and my sister and mother. We, we by, by nature, naturally speaking, we don't think like God. We don't think like God. We probably wouldn't say something like this. Hey, your mother's outside and your brother, and, and, G, and Jesus is teaching people and being with people. We wouldn't think like that. But the Lord wants us to think about that. He answered and said, who is my mother or my brethren? And he looked around about on them that sat about him. What were they doing sitting about him? They were... They were learning from him. 
He was teaching them everywhere he went. Everywhere he was teaching them. And, and he also said this, Behold my mother and brother, for whosoever shall do the will of God, the same is my brother and my sister and mother. A verse that's very dear to me, one that I have really leaned on for many years is 1 Thessalonians 5.18. It says, in everything give thanks. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. We all wonder what is God's will for us on this issue or that issue or with this person. We want to know what, what to do. What is God's will? Well, he tells you right there in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. In everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. God wants us to be thankful people. And listen, the, 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 the things that there are to be thankful about are, are, as, are as big as the, as, the, as the sky and the heavens. We, there's, there's just so many things. And why would we go around... Why would we go around with our just dragging along, trying to make it through day by day. When we can give thanks in everything. I think the Lord Jesus did that. I think the Lord Jesus in everything gave thanks to his father. He wouldn't have asked us to do it if he, if he didn't do it. And there's power in that. There's, there's, there's dynamos power in that. To be a thankful person and to, to, in everything to give thanks. There's, there's innumerable things. We could never run out of things to be thankful for. And if, if God has given us things that we should be thankful for, then we should give thanks. In fact, that's his will. You know, we, 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 we stumble along in life at times and we say, God, what is your, you know, I, what is your will? Well, if you can't figure it out, there is one thing you can figure out that is his will. And that is in every, to in everything give thanks for this is the will of God. Being in God's will is having the patience to wait on God's time. We can make things happen, and we often do. But is it, is it God's will? It might be, it might not be. I'm sure many of us have looked back on many, many of things that we've done, and, and we regretted it because it might have been a good thing to do, but it wasn't the right time. And that's why the psalmist said in Psalm 27 and verse 14, wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Being in God's will is having the patience to wait on God's time. And God says, if you will wait on the Lord and have good courage, he will strengthen your heart. The word wait means just that. 
to wait, to tarry. Don't let your wants get out in front of God. Just be expectant and wait on God's time. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 6, another verse that I just love it. I love it. In all thy ways, not some ways, in all thy ways, acknowledge him. Acknowledge him. That's not hard to do. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. This is, this, is, this is the way to victory. This is the way to live a victorious life. Again, Psalm 27, 14, wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Well, I've got a few other verses here, but I don't think I'm going to get to them. Paul told us in Ephesians chapter 5, giving thanks always. Giving thanks always for all things unto God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And every child of God, bar none, that will wait on God, God will guide and teach them. The psalmist said in Psalm 25 and verse 5, Lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. Wait. Word 6960 to, to expect, to, to patiently tarry and wait for. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. You know, sometimes we even wrestle with that because of the, all the sophistication of this modern world. All of our, uh, you know, devices. We need to be careful with them. We need to be very careful. And any believer that truly, truly waits on God, they, 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 they've read it, and God spoke to them. God himself spoke to them. This, these words are living words. They're alive. And God spoke. Any believer who waits on God can have a heart directed into the love of God. 2 Thessalonians 3, 5, And the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. Waiting on God. To, to persevere, to remain, to continue in patience. The pro, in the Proverbs we read, how much better is it to get wisdom than gold and to get understanding rather than to be chosen than silver? Well, I think I'm going to end on this. Again, Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 7, but the end of all things is at hand. At hand, meaning it's, it's here. It's here. Whatever is at hand, it's here. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 7, but the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober. You know, Christians are... They're trying to serve the Lord. They, I hope they don't go out and drink or anything, but we, we, can, be, we can be drunk on other things, this, the things of the world. 
But, but the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Watch unto prayer. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. This is not just some kind of a little wish list that we have on a piece of paper in our Bible. The, the, watching unto prayer, being sober, having fervent charity, love, using hospitality, not holding grudges. We're living in what I'm, I'm sure that most, if not all of us, believe that we're in the very last of the last days. We hear it amongst ourselves. We hear it amongst our, We hear it in preaching. We hear it during the prayers, the, uh, when, when, when the men are praying in the church. We don't know the day. We don't know the hour. But I hope and pray that we can, when that day arrives and it, it's, it's, it's near, we can just sense it. No man knows the day or the hour, but of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you, Paul said. And we're living in the days when we're soon to see our Savior. Let's live for him and work for him, and most of all, hide his word in our hearts daily. Father, we thank you for this time together to open your precious word. It's so instructive, Lord. You, 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 um, there's no area of our lives, there's no area of the church life that, you, that, does not, that cannot be addressed if we just uh, study your word. And Lord, we just pray that as the days go by, as your coming gets nearer, we pray that uh, our love for one another would, would uh, flourish, that, we would, um, that you would bless our church. We pray that the souls that might be lost here, that they would hear the truth of the, your word and surrender their hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we ask these things in his name. Amen.